Two creative heads in foreign lands working at the intersection of creativity, leadership, and culture. Dan Wilden, David James Kennedy, Milan, Oslo, Rogue Minds. All right, hello everyone. Welcome back again to Rogue Minds. David James Kennedy here, Dan Wilden, and today we have our first ever guest with us on Rogue Minds, a rogue Scotsman. Please welcome Mr. Dan Smith. How you doing, Dan? Yeah, good, thank you. Good to have you here. Where are you calling in from? I am calling from Brooklyn, New York. Brooklyn in New York. And Mr. Wilden, you are calling in from Milan, are you not? Yes, sunny Milan. We're allowed to go outside as well now. So we're post-lockdown Italy. It's a beautiful thing. So I quite like we have three different, very different cities, but... Um, let's see what we have in common from our three different vantages. Yeah, we're very international here. A Scotsman in New York, an Australian in Oslo, and another Australian in Milan. So it's wow. quite... I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm, wow. te- I'm, I'm technically half British now, so I'll let, why don't we say three nationalities, even though we're all lower middle class white people, <laughs> let's pretend that we're a, a bit more diverse. Yeah, I like that. <laughs> I actually, I Dan, I thought you were uh, English actually, but then I was like, oh, is that an Englishman who's lived in Australia for a long time? Because I'm hearing a, a lot of crossover there. Vice versa. Yeah, it's vice versa. I'm an Australian who lived in England for too long. <laughs> I, I feel your pain. Today, our topic, we're, we're always talking about creativity. We're talking about leadership and culture. Today, we're talking about when is enough enough. And I hope we can be pretty open with this, but I think we probably will start it from the obvious point of when are we over-creating? When's it time to step away from a project? What are some things? And, and hopefully, Dan, you can bring some perspective on, on some approaches to how you might be able to pivot or shift when the creative process is sort of stalling or something's not going great. And um, then we'll look into how we find a balance between self-criticism and, and then pride in our work. So that could be an interesting topic to talk about. Um, so looking at then how we refresh our minds and how we find that balance of creativity um, and getting the job done, but also not burning ourselves to the ground uh, while doing it. Does that sound like a good topic, fellas? Yeah, it does. So Dan, Dan Smith, tell us, what do you do and why are we talking to you today? Uh, and I think it's going to become pretty evident when you tell us a bit of your history, but uh, give us the lay down, the elevator pitch on Dan Smith. Yeah, so I'm a associate creative director. I work for an agency called Heat, uh, based in New York and San Francisco. Um, and I, do, I mean, what I actually do is, is, is fairly varied I, I find that role like it can be anywhere from creating ad campaigns to you know solving design solutions sometimes doing stuff like creating a website it, you know it's quite diverse um, but it is very creative and, and it's a, a you know a role where you I have to think a lot and come up with solutions and, and try and think outside the the old box a lot so, so you're with Heat now. What, have, uh, what were you doing when you were in the UK? Yeah, so I studied design originally, and then I um, worked in a variety of different roles, a, a lot of roles in production, and then eventually found my, my way into advertising um, and sort of really liked doing the, uh, m- more of this, the conceptual side of things than just working in production. 
um, and then started crossing over. I studied at a, a school in in Sweden called Hyper Island um, and did a, a short course there a few years back. And that sort of was like a crossover point for me from going from very sort of heavy production and design focused work into being more of a conceptual thinker uh, and more into an art direction role. Um, and then from there, I moved over to New York and I've been here for over seven years now. Maybe we can jump into our, our first question. What, what do we do? What do you guys do when you feel, how do you know when you're over-creating or you're over-egging something? Maybe we can throw it to you first, Dan. So what are some of the hallmarks of a project that you may be getting stuck in or you're spending too much time on? I think for, for me, it, it depends on, on, the, on the project. I think, I think there's two types. There's like the, the project where you're creating stuff on your own. Um, and it's you're the one that has to make the decisions uh, the create and make the creative calls. And then the other is like when you're actually working with people. And then when you put people into it, that variable really changes everything. Uh, and I think when it comes to like those telltale, telltale signs of, of uh, burnout, um, I think when you work alongside people, that be, it be, it's, it's a different story to when I'm just work If I'm working on my own, if I'm doing something on my own, um, it's more frustration with myself. And if it's with other people, it's it's the frustration with other people. And I think that's that's a big sign. It's just like starting to hate everybody you work with, or or just the tiniest little things uh, when you're when you're working with them, uh, just the way they eat or something. You know, just like, <laughs> oh. you know that that's the thing. I think that that's when I know. All right, I'm I'm getting burnt out here. I think if I if it's something I'm working on my own. I think just general frustration um, of and, and self-loathing, classic uh, creative symptoms. Um, but yeah, I think that's that's the stuff that stands out to me uh, in when when I'm working creatively is both between working with other people and on my own. How about you, Dave? What what are some of the things you look for in a the telltale signs of overcreating? Yeah, I think I really like what Dan said uh, in the sense that you, you look at it from a personal perspective and then you look at it from more of a team and environment where you're working with other people. And I agree with Dan, the creative process from a personal perspective, the self-loathing, I'm amazing, I'm terrible, I can do this, I can't do anything. <laughs> this is the best thing I've ever created. I should never, ever create again. That that dynamic going up and down is is a really tricky one. And like Dan said, you can figure that out when you're on your own, I think. Uh, but when you have other players in the mix, that becomes so much more tricky and you have personalities and different things. But uh, because we've got two Dans on the call, I'm going to say, Mr. Smith, what, how, do you approach the, how do you approach the one? Maybe let's look at personal creativity for a minute. How do you approach it in terms of knowing when you should push through or when you just need to go get some sleep and step away from it and fill your mind with something else? I think... That's something I think that I, you know, like from that now with time, like I've started to, to get better at. I feel like when I was like younger, um, being able to, because I, I think like half of creativity is being able to curate your own thoughts. Mm. And that's essentially what you're doing is like thinking about something and then wondering, should I, should I apply that to what I'm doing, what I'm making, or shouldn't I? And finding those boundaries. And I think that it's, it's an instinctive thing. And I think it's like sometimes you see like artists, I think I, I see maybe like an artist who's super young, like Billie Eilish or something, you know, and it's like, 
I look at her and I think, oh, she got it pretty early. She realized what her own sort of instinctive, you know, creative boundaries were. She, she created, you know, something where she knows, okay, like I'm going to step that that's the line. That's the creative line. So for, you know, working on a track, it's like, no, we should go there. No, we shouldn't go there. And being able to curate that, like, I feel like she worked it out pretty early. <laughs> and then I think, especially in the commercial industry, creative industry and in advertising, I know this, you know, like it, 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 over time and with experience, people start to work out what those instinctive things are. Cause a lot of it is based on what a, a client wants or what the industry uh, says is best. So you start to work yeah. out what those boundaries are. Uh, and that actually makes it easier. I think, I think when you're working on your own stuff, like being able to find your own sort of space to be like, Oh, that's right. Whether it's a song, whether it's a piece of art design, uh, whatever it is you're working on, like just knowing those boundaries. And I think I speaking from experience, I think knowing that now, helps me when if I'm working on sometimes you know like I, I like to write some music and uh, or sometimes I just like do my own personal projects and I think I wasn't able to self-curate anyway on the same level that I could do when I was 18 years old for example. What are some of the boundaries or limitations because that's uh, an interesting point uh, if you're working with a client do you find it's important to set those up front or maybe you have some practical boundaries or limitations you put into place when it comes with working on someone else's project that they've commissioned you to do? Yeah, I think, I think we should be setting those boundaries. It, it doesn't happen enough, I don't think. Um, I think there's, like, there's mm. stuff within, definitely within the ad industry of, you know, there's protocols that people keep to, and they're often not necessarily set out. It's just, oh, this is the way the industry works. Um, and this is the process that we're going to, you know, use. And it's, it, but it's, it's often unspoken. And, and I think as well, it's not often set out and def- depend on the agency. People have different ways of working. And uh, that's often where it can descend into to chaos because it often does. Yeah. <laughs> I, but I, I think it could help, you know, setting out those boundaries of like, this is, this is the goal. This is what we want to achieve. Um, and this is how we're going to do it. Um, are you all on the same page? Because um, I feel like it happens sometimes um, in my experience, and and especially account managers who are working with clients a lot more. Yeah, they're trying to you know to to keep that level of transparency with the clients to be like this is what we this is the goal this is the end goal. Uh, but maybe it's not as explicit as that often. It's it's but that's what they're trying to do, and <laughs> it often uh, you, you've. You brought up a really interesting point there. So the, the creative or the strategist invariably has to work with an account manager, whether it's someone who's trained or experienced. But maybe we can go there for a moment. Um, and D, DK as well, maybe you can jump in first. But guys, in your experience, what do you look for in a good account manager or what have been the most uh, beneficial account managers to work with? Because this might help people who, because I was an account manager for a while, an account director and a few other bits. And um, I found that it, t- it took a while to work out how to work with creatives. But let's, let's flip it on its head and say, creatives, what do you look for in a good, a good suit to keep you, keep you in line? Uh, similar to you, I think, um, <clears throat> look at it that way and found it, found it very tricky many times when I started working with account managers and and um, for me, what I tend to look for is open to ideas and open to throw things around a little bit and is not so stuck in a process or a task. But 
coming more from, you know, if I talk about coming from the creative conceptual side, that's a very fluid, that's a very fluid dynamic and things can be changing. Uh, the brief can, can be tweaked a little bit or sometimes things that when you get started, things aren't as you, as you thought they would be and you have to change on the fly and, and just trying to, uh, have an account manager who understands that and is also open to a little bit of change and there's good um, agility there and the communication is really good and of course I I really need an account manager or a project manager or whatever you're working with to really give me the clear guidelines so I know um, like you talked about earlier uh, Dan Smith about knowing where the boundaries are you know when you talked about Billie Eilish for example knowing what they are and knowing what what room I have to play around in so that's something I really look for kind of open mind minded agility, good communication, and um, just uh, being dynamic and fluid with the ever-changing, uh, ever-changing dynamics of working in the creative industry. For for me, with um, some of the the things that on the account, on the other side of that, some of the things that I don't like to see, and because you, if you're wrangling a, a creative or there's a project. If you have a stressy account manager, or you have, or the person project managing or looking after it is a bit stressful, or they, or worse, they have this a, a bad or unhealthy cultural expectation. Because I know that it, it's you come at it fresh, and you're going to do better work rather than someone whipping you or sending you emails or texts at one in the morning or or expecting you to stay late. But maybe culturally, we can. I'm not sure what it's like in in Brooklyn or New York. I'm sure there's a lot of late hours there, but. I've always found if you can set a culture, a healthy culture for the team, um, it, it just helps with productivity and creativity as well. Yeah, that's true. Um, I think, I, I mean, I used to, oh, I still do sometimes give like account managers a hard time. Because <laughs> I, I, you know, I, I used to think that, oh, what, do, what do you actually do? Like you, you pick up the phone, you, di- you dial the conference call before, <laughs> before we're presenting work to client. Uh, and, and that's your job. You're like, oh, all right, who's in the room? We got blah blah blah. All right, we're going to hand over to creative now. Uh, but the reality is, I think that role is is very much needed, and I think it's actually one of the hardest roles. I think it, you know, if I if I think of any role that I would not choose to do in advertising, it would be account management because I think it is one of the hardest because you've got to wear every single hat. You've got to have an understanding of creative and why it works and be able to. Like a good account manager can actually add to the conversation, uh, have a, have a sense of what a client wants or what a brand wants, um, what what's off, what's not, you know, going to work, and then also think strategically as well. Um, it's you know, and often it falls on the account manager to lead a project because you know there's the sometimes, you know, creative directors are often get stuck just in the creative and maybe not thinking so strategically and then strategists mm-hmm. are just kind of stuck in their own strategy and not seeing it from a creative perspective or from a, a client's perspective. So someone, an account manager is actually really underrated, I actually think. I've come full circle. I used to be like, eh. <laughs> <laughs> but now I'm like, you know, you need someone to have that sort of whole perspective on things and it really helps. Mm, yeah. I, and I think a good, a good one can do that and is also like not, not, Stressing. That's the worst, I think. <laughs> <laughs> like a, 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 an account manager with lots of anxiety and, and high levels of stress is the worst person you can be around. I think someone who has a, you know, who can remain calm under stress and, and can, can joke around, not take themselves too seriously. I feel like that makes a huge difference. 
so much uh, importance can be put on setting the atmosphere and whether you're an account manager or a project manager or if it's a small boutique agency or creative outfit having the right atmosphere or the right mood in the room not just in the room but on the whole project so important and i think a good account manager can can lift people when they're feeling a bit bummed i think i spent a lot of my time when i was a suit um just talking creatives away from the ledge saying hey it's okay you know you you missed the brief a bit but this work is great and uh, and you can there's all sorts of little tricks like i love that idea let's put it in the top shelf here and we'll come back to that next week when it's relevant to the, what we're trying to do here dan wilden and dan smith based on what you guys are saying doing what you do busy stressful life how do you if we shift now cuz uh, as we've spoken about this this um this podcast looks at elements of leadership, creativity, and culture and how they intersect and either work together or clash. But if you take it from your position as an associate creative director where you are responsible for people, you're overseeing people, how do you handle that putting ideas on the shelf or how do you talk to people and challenge people if ideas start churning out that are just the same over and over and over? Well, I think that's part of the the role of a good creative. Like I think if you know, if I'm working with other people, it's sort of an expectancy, which maybe sounds a bit harsh, but I feel I feel like that's always the challenge is to not do stuff that you've seen before. And the the, the best creative directors and, or, and creatives, writers, whatever that I've worked with are the ones that can actually challenge that at all times to be like, oh, wait, I saw, you know, like you put out an idea and be like, oh, I think such and such did that, pull it up. And as much as that's so annoying, I... I value that a lot because I, I just think, you know, like doing something that that hasn't been done before, and especially in the commercial space, like it, that gets undervalued because I think a lot of people are like, well, it worked before, so let's just do it again. And I think I think audiences know that though, like they don't want the same thing again. And to be honest with you, the challenge is always just standing out more than ever because there's so many messages getting thrown at you at all times in this day and age. So being able to stand out and do something that, or create a message, create a story, a narrative that hasn't been heard or seen before or interpreted in a different way is important. So I think constantly calling that out from whoever I'm working with and expecting that from whoever I'm working with is a good thing. It can be hard, like it sucks when you think, oh yeah, that's 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 an idea that yeah, I've, I've nailed it and then, uh, Wait a minute, such and such do it. And the worst is if a client calls it out to be like, actually, I saw, I saw such and such do that. Yeah, that, that hurts. When the, when the client has um, has a better reference point than you, that always, that's always painful. You're like, oh man, you're paying me to be the one bringing the ideas and you guys just calling out crap ideas right now. That, that's, that one smarts. But that's a, that's a really good chance to kind of just to move on and flip over because we're talking about criticism of a client here. But if we flip it back to a bit of a personal level for you, Dan Smith, the balance between self-criticism and pride in our own work. I really like what you said earlier about a large part of creativity is curating your own thoughts, is curating your own creativity and going, will I go ahead with this? Is this good? Is this terrible? Uh, will this work? Will it not work? Have you, in your years of working and doing what you're doing, obviously um, we, we talked a little bit, you've, you started out in London, you spent some time in Stockholm, you spent some time in Sydney, back to London, New York, and the occasional trip to Dumfries in Scotland. 
um, where, where you're from, if you didn't hear the Scottish accent. The, the, the center point, the, the, ep, the epicenter of creativity in <laughs> yes, art. Yes, <laughs> totally, completely. I'm watching Outlander at the moment and it, uh, every time I watch oh, yeah, it. It's just, that, was, that was my childhood. Yeah, I think of you. <laughs> but yeah, how, how do you find the balance after all these years between having pride in what you do and um, knowing when to, as we're talking about, knowing when enough is enough? or when to self-criticize and demand more of yourself? I mean, I think it goes back a, a lot to what we were talking about before, you know, like being able to know those those boundaries, like to be able to sort of pick out stuff and go like, that's not right. I think it's an instinctive thing, um, which I feel, I've had this discussion with a lot of people and, and like some, some people is like, no, it's definitely something you're just kind of born with and you know, yes, that's right, that's not right. But I, I think it's actually something that everybody has um, is some sort of creative, instinctive ability. Um, it's just whether you decide to nurture it or not. And I think being aware of that and trying to make sure that you, you're constantly um, surrounding yourself by things which will help uh, hone your instincts creatively. And I, I, I feel like watching as much stuff, so like... Um, surrounding yourself with culture. I feel like growing up in a, in a small town like Dumfries in Scotland, I, I, I feel like it was like a cultural void. And I think when I, when I got out of that and moved to London, I was suddenly like, what? There's so much, you know, exciting things everywhere. <laughs> it was like overload. Um, and I, th- I mean, as well, I think now people have so much more access to everything with, with content just sort of being right there in, your, in the palm of your hand which I didn't have as, as a kid. That, that's and a I good think, point. I just wanted to jump on there. So you're talking about being inspired when there's so much content and so much uh, inspiration floating around. But what are, you, what are you looking at at the minute? You talked about watching lots of different things, but do you have some go-tos or do you have different seasons where you float in and out of reading or film or music or, or art? What's some of the things that, that gets you inspired or helps you to refresh? To be honest with you, I mean, I, I think, like binging stuff on Netflix can actually be a good thing <laughs> because it's still, it's, I, I like it because it's just like, I'm, I'm immersing myself in like the, the best storytelling. Um, that's, that's probably, you know, been in, in from, from television, from a TV perspective. Um, and it's right there. And I, I mean, obviously there's, there's a balance, but I think I, when I'm watching stuff on Netflix, whether even it's stuff like Tiger King, you're like, Oh, well, <laughs> it was like a, you know, a, a great narrative and, you know, the ability of the directors to actually find, you know, a character that everybody was able to, that were fascinated by. And it was, yeah. it infiltrated culture. You know, even that is looking at what they, they did is inspiring. And, and I think it, it sets a bar for what, um, you know, other people should be doing, what I should be doing when it comes to storytelling or, uh, and I, th- and I think that you can, I apply that to everything whether it's like music. And I think as well, that's what keeps me in a city like New York, even though it's totally impractical. Um, and especially at the moment, there's, there's no reason to be here because no one's, nothing's open. But um, I think it's, it, it was, it's what sucks me in. It's like being surrounded by, you know, a high level of, of content, whether it's like music, art, TV, movies, whatever. And being around people who value that is important, I think, as well. Yeah, they, I'm, I'm glad that you brought up Tiger King because if... <laughs> right, if let the rest of this podcast, let's just talk about Tiger King. 
We could let's turn it into a Tiger King podcast. <laughs> we can do that. I think people will remember the 2020 um, pandemic for a few things. One of them was definitely the, the Tiger King, and mostly that because yeah. <laughs> we all got to create those haircuts at home, and no one was going to see them for 60 days. So it was it was safe to have a, a peroxide mullet. Um, but yeah, no, I, I agree. I think. Um, I think when you, if, Dan, are you involved in much filmmaking? I'm sure you're involved in a fair bit of video. Is that the case? Yeah, yeah. It, um, it's a, there's a lot more of that than than what I have been doing in, in the past. So when you when you talk about watching these great directors and these really well put together pieces of content, I, I'm, I agree with you completely. And I think sometimes the subconscious taste decisions that we make because we definitely go through different phases, different modes, and and uh, you look at any decade, it has a look and a feel. And I don't think people walked around saying in the '80s, um, I have to add more fluoro to this video shoot. I think it just was what they're absorbed in in the culture. So I think there's something something very interesting that we we absorb what's happening culturally in the art world in the in the content world and then we reflect that to a certain degree so i i think it's interesting times where we have access to more archives than ever before and um and you you see it float in and out maybe i'll throw a question over at you dk if we apply let's look at let's look at music for a minute so you're our resident rock star um when it comes to when it comes to influ- influences shaping music, so maybe you can talk to that a bit. So, DK, if we're looking at creativity from a music point of view, let's move away from advertising for a second. Yes, please. Yeah. <laughs> how how do you find inspiration for new music um, outputs, DK? Um, I'm uh, you know I'm a little bit like what uh, Dan Smith said earlier. I I binge on music regularly a lot, much at sometimes to the frustration of my wife because I'll have, I'll have something playing in the lounge room, something playing in the bedroom, something playing in the bathroom, and it's all different things. So I'm listening, I'm listening to a lot of stuff. But for me, I mean, obviously, I mean, culture, fashion, and music all go hand in hand. We know that we've all lived in London, we've lived in you know living in New York, living in, of course, Milan, Oslo, places like Sydney. But uh, for me, I've always—I mean, both me and Dan Smith—we kind of, we kind of had a bit of a punk rock upbringing. Dan was a, a Scottish kilt-wearing punk <laughs> uh, with with bright orange hair and freckles. He looked like he looked like Hamish out of Braveheart when I first met him. <laughs> um, but no, I mean, I just listen to what I like and listen to what really inspires me, and I'm inspired by melody and and, and harmony and and. I dig deep into production and sounds. I love sounds and that fascinates my brain and gets me really creative. And then I guess out of that, and I don't even know if this is answering the question, but out of that comes uh, a bit of an overflow into um, what I do with my work. But often I find myself getting a lot of conceptual ideas uh, from music production and I don't know what the correlation is, but I often do find myself in my work thinking back to uh, musical references and things I heard. I read a lot. I research a lot on online, um, but often I find myself coming back to musical elements that inspire a, a concept. That's cool. When, when uh, to, to, um, to dive into the collaborative side of things a bit, because we were talking about getting stuck and needing to refresh or reset, maybe this is an open question to both of you guys as well. Um, how do you change the scenario or what, what are some ways that you change the scenario that you're in, whether you're writing music or if you're scoring a film or if you're coming up with a concept, 
maybe some ways that we can look at. So what are your tips, guys, on changing up the scenario? Watch more Tiger King. <laughs> there was only eight episodes. Watch it again. I don't think I could watch it again. I think it was it was like watching a car crash. You know, that's... Oh, it's was, painful. Yeah. It, yeah, it, I don't... Okay, I'll jump in then since neither of you are going to give me a good answer. <laughs> I'll answer, Dan. I'll answer, Ben, and then you jump in. I am lucky because I live in Oslo in Norway and it's very easy to get out into the nature. And I've uh, living in London for so many years, I didn't really have that option available to me and I didn't really understand and how great it was to get out and do that. But now I'm surrounded by nature. And um, since I moved here, I've found myself really been inspired and been refreshed by just taking a walk, getting into the forest, going and throwing stones in the water at a lake. That's something I never have really had since I grew up in Australia and I forgot the value the, I've forgotten the value of that and to have that um, again is something that really helps me that's a good point so resetting and and resting your mind a bit it, for some people I think they might thrive under different conditions one might be I'm rested I'm in I'm inspired uh, I'm uh, of reset and then maybe some other people at the other end of the spectrum or at other times of their life might find that the chaos and the deadline is driving them to to creativity and having restrictions or less time to finish something off might help i know certainly for me some of the best work i've done has been late nights the day before it was due but I, I prefer not to work that way, but sometimes it just comes at midnight or, or one in the morning or sometimes it comes when you've got a 10-minute jam and you've just got time to do something quickly. Yeah, I think I, I used to do, I used to be the king of like cramming everything in <laughs> and sometimes it would turn out right, but it was the unpredictability of like it could, it could turn out right or it could be a complete disaster. And I think balance became something which I'd finally learned um and i think yeah similar to dave for me like being able to sort of get, get away like I, I bought a car a couple of years ago and I, you know even like living in a crazy city like new york it actually only takes like an you know less than an hour and you can be out in, in the countryside and um, I, th I think that makes a difference being able to just like know when to, to be like all right i need a break now i can't just keep on going and I, I've got to schedule things out to make sure that I have enough time to think about it and, and come to a solution. So I'm not stressing out because, yeah, if you, if you, I was finding you cram stuff in late night. That is just actually that the, the PTSD you get from after that is just like it takes you like a week to recover from from doing a sprint like that. And, and the mental overload is actually bad for you. Yeah, so trying to avoid that, I think, is important. Cool. Well, let's jump into the next thing, but let's look at it from a little bit of a different perspective. So coming at you, Mr. Smith, with a question. Uh, now we've been talking a lot about creativity, but if we flip things and look at it from your perspective as Associate Creative Director, where you're responsible for people, from a leadership and cultural perspective, what are some of the maybe the tips or secrets or even the mistakes that you've made that you've learned in, in, in helping others when it comes to their creative output and, you know, avoiding burnout and learning how to rest their minds? A few things. Um, I, one, one, one big thing is the ability not to take things personally. Because mm. when, when you, you know, like if you're working as, you know, like in, in, in a creative industry, any, any kind of creative output that you're doing and presenting stuff to people, 
you 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 know you have to put up with rejection on a daily basis. That's co- it's basically constant rejection at all times, every day, uh, and and I think you have to you have to be able to deal with that and not let it affect you and be aware that when if people don't like an idea or something that you put out there, that they're not rejecting you, they're just rejecting the, the whether you know the the thing that you're putting out there that it's just your version of right might not be their version of right and it doesn't always necessarily mean that you're completely wrong because often in creative fields it's so subjective so i think being aware of that um and and not taking that personally because i think that leads to a lot of burnout is when people just be like they feel attacked you know and i think it's really hard to, to make that balance as well because it's so so hard to sort of cut yourself off when someone says, nah, I don't think that that's right. Mm. Um, to not feel like, oh, yeah, that that's that's a personal thing. So that's, I think that's that's a big thing, um, you know, and, and giving 100% but remembering that at the end of the day, it, it, it doesn't matter that much. <laughs> uh, and especially, especially advertising, you know, I think sometimes people go overboard and trying to, perfect things and the reality is you got to take some perspective and it's important to you know i always try to give 100 percent and and you know like make sure things are as close to perfect as possible but still remember that it, it, it doesn't matter in the big scheme of things i think that helps to stop taking things too personally what would you say to uh to someone working in the creative industry who like you said you always give a hundred percent, but you know when to. You've learnt when to step back and when to separate yourself from it. What would you say to someone who is struggle, struggling to separate themselves from working on a particular project, whether it be brand or startup or whatever? Well, I, I think if you get yourself worth from what you do, which we all do, like if if you if we all get some level of self worth from our job, because it it does define who we are to an extent. But I think you can't put everything into that. And, and, you know, like if your job is everything that defines who you are, then I, I feel like you're going to be in trouble um, because immediately, you know, as, as soon as your things don't go well with you, with your work, um, then it's going to start affecting you because that's everything. So I think like making sure there's that balance of that. It doesn't define everything that you are for me. It, it helps having some other creative outlets to be like, you know, if, if a creative project at work isn't really going the way that I want, to be like, well, well, I'll go home and work on this other thing instead, and and then and then it, the next day I can come back and be like, oh, actually, um, that was good to sort of realize that this isn't everything, and this doesn't define me. So I'd say that's that's really important um, for junior creatives. Is just like, yeah, throw yourself in there, but don't let it define you because you when it starts, it will go downhill at some point, um, <laughs> and then that might have start affecting you, you know, mentally and that will lead to burnout. That's a great answer. Maybe I'll throw over to you, uh, Dan Wilden, and ask you to follow on from what Dan Smith said, talking about burnout. What does creative burnout do to a team? What does it do to a environment? What does what does it do to the culture of the agency, of the creative team, of the of the startup, of the non for profit? I like what Dan was saying because if we take ourselves too seriously or, or our identity is too wrapped up in, in a task that we're doing, when that thing goes wrong, absolutely, you're in, you're in big trouble. 
I, I think sometimes bringing perspective, if you're, if you're in a position of leadership, you should bring perspective. And I'm not saying that you need to walk around the office every day saying, guys, it's only advertising. Don't worry about it. I think there's a level of excellence that we should always bring. And, and you'll go, you'll go further in your career if you're always bringing your best. But another thing that you'll, you'll go will help you to go further is if you're actually good to work with, if you're not just good at your job and your creativity, because we're always growing in that, but actually if you're a pleasure to work with, if you lift the atmosphere or if you bring value or you bring even a positivity, I'm not saying everyone needs to be a, a ray of sunshine, but I think if an organization is a bit down in the dumps and you can walk into the room and sort of call it out and say, guys, let's, let's change the, let's change where we're working right now. Some, some of the best work that I've actually been a part of is been when we had to pick everyone up and walk out of the room and go to the pub and have a few Guinnesses. And then, then the ideas started flowing again. So I think having permission to play a bit because creativity is playfulness to a large degree so if you allow people to do what they were made to do is to be creative and to be playful and to enjoy life. And we, we have a great industry that we work in because we get paid to play, really. We get paid to, sure, we, we have some um, briefs that we have to deliver to and we have to go to the office and, and all that stuff. But within that, I think there's there can be some, some flexibility in how you do it. So I think if you're able to change the atmosphere, if you're able to change the location, because coming back to your question, uh, DK, if, if people are burnt out, if they're annoyed, if they're grumpy with each other, like Dan was saying at the start, if they couldn't stand how the person is even chewing their gum across from them without throwing a stapler at their head, then <laughs> you can't get anything. You won't be able to get anything done in that atmosphere. So I think it's really important to to be mindful of, of the health and the culture of the space that you're working in and the people that you're working with. And, and sometimes, like yesterday, I, I had a, a bit of a, a hectic day and, and a few things were happening in our personal lives that we had to go see to, but my colleagues were really cool about it and they were really understanding. They're like, okay, you need to run and look after that. We'll pick up the slack here and vice versa. I do the same for them. So if you're, if you're a team by, by name, be a team by nature as well and, and support. And, and that can be lifting people when they're a bit bummed out or a bit down in the dumps. Or it can be, even if you're an account manager and it's not really your job to be the strategist or the creative, bring inspiration into that space. Bring them, bring them some, uh, some fuel to put on the fire and, and uh, you'll see things turn around pretty quickly, I think. Um, there was something, one, one of the a creative leader that I've you know, worked with a bit the past few years, and he recently um, left the agency and he sent an email out. Um, and he's, he wrote something at the end, and this is... Uh, he was actually retiring and he said, um, this is, you know, after all these years of, of working um, in, the, in this industry, this is one thing that, you know, I, I'd say sums up, you know, what you should do when you're approaching everything. And it really stuck with me. He said, stay curious, be brave, work hard and be nice. And I, I feel like there's always these sort of, you know, sayings about, you know, how you should work and stuff. There's a lot of that out there, but that one really stuck with me for some reason. Cause I was like, Oh, that's, that's sort of like the four things, which actually, if you're working, uh, in, in the creative field, then it makes such a difference. Always being curious, um, you know, to, to learn more and want to, mm. you know, immerse yourself in culture and then being brave, you know, willing to take risks. Uh, and of course, you know, working hard always makes a big difference giving yourself a hundred percent but then being nice is so under underrated i think yeah 
um, because it makes a huge difference, especially when you're working with people creatively and you have to collaborate. Like niceness makes a huge difference. It's interesting to talk about uh, that, being curious, being brave, working hard and being nice because as you said, Dan, it's completely overrated. You're working in the hustle and bustle of New York. I'm here in Oslo where... Everyone's nice. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You've lived in Stockholm, you know. Ev- everyone's too nice and there's some times where I'm like, just hit me with it, tell me straight. Yeah, right, right. Yeah. <laughs> what do you, you know, how, how is it in Milan, Dan, for you? Because you've got hustle and bustle of New York, you've got everyone's too nice over here in Scandinavia. Um, and we talked a little bit about this on one of our previous episodes where you talked about everyone screaming at the elephant in the room in Milan, but... Do people need to be more nice over there or, or do they need to be more straight talking? Well, Italy is interesting and, and it caught me by surprise when I came here how healthy the work-life balance is. Um, even the CEO of some of the big, uh, the biggest agencies that I've, I've encountered will be like, don't eat lunch at your desk. What are you doing? Let's go outside and sit in the sun and like have an hour and a half lunch. Um, even in the middle of a big deadline. So some of that was quite, is quite nice. Um, and, they, and they're very friendly here as well. The Italians work quite hard in Milan anyway. I, I can't speak for all of Italy because I haven't lived in all of it yet. But um, I, I really like the, the being nice thing. It's, it's important because you spend more time with these people than your, your actual family, which is the unfortunate um, reality of working life is you spend more time with these people than probably your wife and your kids for a certain portion of your life. So if you're not nice to them, you're going to be in trouble because you're going to have the largest percentage of your life is going to be a bit unpleasant or you're making it worse. You're making it unpleasant for other people. So I quite, I quite like that, um, that approach and it's, it's a very good mantra. Um, I think um, I, I'm, I'm struggling to think of too many great ad men that got to the end of their career and said, oh, I, I really got far from from being a ball breaker i think the ones who got further in their career in any any industry to be honest they uh they made an impact positively on the people around them and a, a very a very quick analogy a very quick story there was a, a really i won't say what his name or her name was but they were very in a very popular band and then they went solo um and they were on a major record label and they weren't doing so good they did their their band or their outfit before was massive huge and then this solo project was a bit like, yeah, okay, we'll try it. And it had an initial flame and it went somewhere. But this person was so good to work with that the whole, all the major labels and all the publishing companies and all the PR guys, they just wanted to work with this person. Um, and that, and they helped through the downs because when you start going down, you, you, you'll encounter the same people that you encountered on your way up. It's an, it's an old adage, of course. But if you're good to work with, you work hard, you have that great atmosphere, that great attitude and you are curious, people are just going to want to be in the room with that sort of atmosphere, that sort of attitude. Uh, the niceness thing, I think just, just to bring up a point uh, to something you said earlier, that, you know, like sometimes people are too nice that it, then you don't get to the point. I think there's a, an ability to be nice and still get to the point and, and you know, sort of address things. I th- And I think it's like tact. I think tact is something which is like, really underrated as well because you can get <laughs> you know when you need people to do something for you there's there's a nice way to do it and there's a not nice way to do it and people the easy way is the not nice way um because you know people when and operating from a place of fear and people will do it and you'll get results 
Um, but the long term, it, it's not a, it's not great for culture, and it happens a lot. You know that people operate, you know, more from this, like use fear as the way to to get people to do stuff rather than than being nice and getting alongside people, um, because it is the quicker and easier way to do it. Um, but but I think, yeah, for me, tact is something I've been thinking about a lot. Is just like how do you, you know this? I, I've worked with good creative directors and really bad creative directors as well, and the the good ones really are the ones which have been able to, you know, get alongside me and. Um, encourage me and and you know say oh that's right that's not but do it in a way that's tactful that makes you realize that oh they were complete you know looking back there's some things which i've gone oh that was what was i thinking what a terrible idea that was but then realizing the creative direction that i got was actually like super tactful to be like no i don't think that's quite right and i'm thinking now looking back it's like they must have known like oh what a terrible idea (laughs) Uh, but they were able to actually give the direction in a way that didn't dishearten I didn't destroy, but actually they helped me learn. And I think that's important. For me, that definitely links to relationship as well mm, because yeah, you, yeah. you can be, you can't really go in and rip someone to shreds who you don't really know, or you can, but you won't, you won't be very liked. Um, and so I think if you, if you've got a few um, points on the board with, with someone, you've helped them to get a few projects uh, with a bit of success and, or you've helped to, to develop them a bit you definitely have more permission to, to speak into their life or to speak into their project if you want to look at it that way. So it's a very good point. Um, we've been we've been chatting for a while, guys. This has been great. But what we do in every episode is we leave listeners with a bit of a challenge. DK, we've been listening to the very inspiring Dan Smith here. Maybe there's something he's said that can set our challenge. What, do you, what are you thinking? Yes, Mr. Smith has been extremely inspiring today and put out some really good stuff. And one of the things I think that he said, which was really great, was was the quote about being more curious, more brave, working harder and being nice. And that's the challenge we want to throw out today is whatever you do, creative industry or not, leadership, culture, creativity, where can you be more curious? Where can you learn? Where can you grow? Where can you be braver? Where can you stand up for yourself and your ideas? Or maybe it's even standing up for someone else in your office or a team that you're part of. How and where can you work harder? And what can you do to be nicer starting from your next day you go into the office or working at home on Zoom? That's the challenge I'm going to throw out. Good challenge. I'm going to four part challenge this week. That's very good four parts i thought it was actually gonna be binge watch outlander this weekend <laughs> several you, times tiger king first tiger king, <laughs> tiger first king and, and outlander well it's it's been great having you on dan you set the bar very high so well well done and dk it's a pleasure as always um we will be coming back what's our next episode gonna be dk do we know yet are we so rogue we haven't no. planned no we have we have no, no. plan we have no plans. We're just rogue. We don't care. We're coasting through, we're coasting through life. We'll find someone interesting to talk to. <laughs> well, it's been a pleasure talking with you guys. Looking forward to next episode. Thank you very much, Mr. Dan Smith, for all your great input. Thank you. All right, guys. Take care, and we'll see you next time. Ciao for now. Ciao.